Hello and welcome to In Bed with Neil Moody. I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Facebooker, interviewer, etc, etc. And throughout my 25-year career in the fashion and beauty industry so far, I've been lucky enough to have met and worked with some amazing and talented people. When I started my website, neilmoody.com, about seven years ago, I would post written Q&As and the occasional YouTube video interview with models, stylists, editors and friends who I work with. Following on from that here in 2019 with my In Bed With Neil Moody podcast series, I'm going to be interviewing more of my long-term friends and work colleagues who are entrepreneurial and also think outside of the box. I hope to give you an insight into their world, what they're up to and where they're going next. So welcome to another episode of In Bed With Neil Moody. My guest today is makeup maven Val Garland. Val is one of the world's leading makeup artists whose career has spanned over 25 years and is still ongoing. I'm talking to Val about her career, her first book published in October 2018, and the new BBC TV show called Glow Up, in which she's starring as a judge alongside presenter Stacey Dooley and makeup artist Dominic Skinner. I visited Val at her London home within the hustle and bustle of Borough Market, where we sat and chatted. We're sitting comfortably. <laughs> Shall we begin? Let's begin. Morning, Val Garland. Hello. <laughs> Here we are in Borough Market in her beautiful home. There is a bit of noise going on, isn't it? Because there's building work going on behind us. Well, you know, it's it's central London and there's always building work going yeah. on everywhere. So you kind of just get used to it, really. Yeah. But how long have you lived around here? Um, I've lived here for about 15 years. Right. You know, um, before that, I was a West London girl. Mm. Came over to the east side because I wanted something a bit more quirky. Yeah. In West London, it kind of gotten sort of very corporate. Well, you were there before it had even become what it's become now, weren't you? Because I remember coming over to your place oh, in, in Kensal Rise, Rise yeah. when I was thinking of buying around there. Yeah. And just being, like, wowed by the area. But even that's changed massively, well, hasn't it? <clears throat> when I lived in Kensal Rise, it was very sort of... A bit sort of working class. Um, you know, you lived in Kensal Rise because you couldn't afford Notting Hill or Ladbroke Grove. Um, and then I sold... I mean, I had a quite a little quirky house, which was great. It was about, like, the old vicarage. And then uh, I sold it and moved over this side. Well, I moved to West London. But within the five years after I left West London, oh, my golly gosh. <laughs> it's like you go back to Kensal now and it's really, it's dead posh. Well, all of us lot moved in, didn't we? I know, yeah, it's dead posh. And, like, you know, you, you get sort of like posh coffee on the corner. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. Although I'm not there anymore. But, right. um, but, yeah, there's a whole load. It's completely changed, hasn't it, in yeah. that area? Yeah. But where exactly did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Bristol. Mm. I was born in Birmingham. Um, oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. I was born in You're Birmingham. You're a brummie. I'm a brummie. Yeah, I'm a brummie. But, uh, I, yeah, I was born in Marston Green. And I think very shortly after my arrival, uh, my parents moved to Bristol. And, uh, and yeah, and that's where I grew up. Um, so you probably... Get, getting a bit of a Bristolian twang every now and then. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. a bit of like. Gert Lush. Gert Lush. Gert Lush. Right, my babby? Yeah. And what was your childhood like? How would you explain your childhood? Um, I. Ooh, how was my childhood? Uh, yeah, it, I just. I was a kid with a, a big imagination. Mm. And we didn't have any money. 
we didn't have any money so you'd kind of um, make it up as you went along kind of thing which I think has been my mantra all my life <laughs> we didn't have any money so you know we'd make um, castles out of sheets on the line you know um, boxes suddenly became you know a train you know but it was funny I mean like I'm really old and um, I can remember playing on the bomb site you oh, know, because really? there were still bomb sites from the war. Wow. And we'd go and sort of like play there or play in like the air raid shelters and, you know, and play on the railways, you know. And that was really exciting, you know, especially when the train whizzed past. I mean, how close to death were we <laughs> as four year olds, you know? And, and we'd also play in the sewers. Yeah. Really exciting. Wow. You know, um, finding frogs and fish and whatnot. It was all out on the street. You played mm. on the street. It, it was a different time. Do you feel like it made your brain imaginative? Like it, it helped to make that happen? Uh, yeah, I think I was always... Yeah, I was always making up imaginary sort of tales, you know. I mean... I've got this doll called Phyllis, who's actually over there. Phyllis in the yellow dress. She's been my doll since I was four years old. But, you know, I honestly believed that she could speak. And mm. we'd have this whole sort of, like, thing going on, or I would, in my head. Yeah. Obviously a bit of a schizo. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, and I remember, I mean, I had an older sister, and she's a year older. And uh, I remember when she started school... It was great for me because it meant that I was on my own with my mum and we could go to Woolworths and get a Knickerbock block of glory. And that was like, that was, felt like a really big treat. Before becoming a makeup artist, yeah. I know that you were a hairdresser. Yeah. You eventually emigrated to Perth and then moved to Sydney, Australia yeah. Yeah. and became a hair colourist. Is that right? Well, no, not a hair colourist. No, I became a... In those days, um, if you were a hairdresser, you cut hair and you coloured it. Oh, yeah. This was before the trend of, like, I'm specialising. <laughs> I'm a colorist. Yeah. You know, you did everything. You know, but I was actually um, our salon. Um, me and my then husband salon. It was quite. It was quite an out there salon. You know, uh, we. Were, I wasn't interested in making money. I was interested in doing something creative. So we didn't do ram brush blow dries. So we didn't cater for the ladies who lunch. We wanted a much sort of younger crowd that wanted something that was a bit revolutionary. Uh, we weren't interested in perming or children. <laughs> you know, like, no blow dries, no children, no perming. So, and it was, so it became known as, like, the place to go to get cut and colour. Yeah, it was just what I was into. And when I, when I was employing my staff, you know, it probably uh, not politically correct, but first and foremost, you know, you had to look good. Yeah. You had to look good. And coming to work, you know, I, I disagreed. I'd worked in salons where people wore uniforms and I was like, I will not be put in a box. I don't want to put anyone in a box. And so you had to come to the salon like you were going clubbing, you know. So yeah. what year was that around? Um, uh, that was kind of like 1980. Yeah. So yeah. the beginning of the whole... New romantic. End of punk going into new romantic era, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is when everybody was dressing up. Yeah, right? we were dressing up, we were burning, burning our hair, shaving our heads, colouring, you know, Rembo crazy colour was at the top of the hit list. And um, you know what? The 80s, it was a great time to be a hairdresser. Yeah, it was. You right. know, I mean, hairdressers ruled. 
you know, we did. We were the coolest people on the planet, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. We were. Although we thought we were. No, we thought we were. <laughs> and I mean, the idea of a makeup artist, it hadn't really formed, although there were makeup artists, but they weren't sort of like formulated. And you sort of like started off, you were a hairdresser, and yeah, you sort of like did session hair. And then and maybe you did a bit of makeup as well. And I mean, I was lucky where my salon was. My salon was called Garland and Garland, and it was in Sydney. But I was r- right next door to the biggest sort of like gay pub. It was where all the drag queens performed. And um, so they'd all come into the salon. They'd all have their hair done. Uh, of course, they all did their own makeup. Uh, but they'd do it in my salon because my salon sort of like stayed open till midnight. You know, it was like it was a, a place where people came and they just hung out you know because we had the best magazines we had the best coffee we had the best music and people just used to come and hang out you know why did you choose australia no idea um <laughs> no idea that's fine it's a good answer well no the thing was um why not I got married very young, very quickly. My husband was a drummer in a band. He was uh, sort of touring around um, sort of Britain. Then he came home on Friday night and we were actually in the supermarket. I think we were in Sainsbury's. And we both, we looked like Sid and Nancy, mm-hmm. you know. And he sort of said, oh, I'm really bored. And I sort of said, yeah, I'm really bored too, <laughs> you know. He's like, let's go somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, let's go somewhere else. And uh, so desperate to be cool. Obviously, you know, a little sort of, like, girl from the suburbs, but desperately trying to be cool. And I thought he was going to say, let's go to Paris or New York. But he said, let's go to Australia. And I was like, yeah, all right. You know. Sounds like an adventure. Sounds like an adventure. You know, I was kind of... I was 17 at the time, you know, um, Irish Catholic parents, quite strict, and growing up in Bristol, it felt good to go on an adventure, and I always said that I wanted to travel the world. So anyway, so three months later, we go to the Australian High Commission in London, and uh, they sort of say, like, so where do you, what do you do? And I sort of said, well, I'm a hairdresser. And my husband, he had a trade, he was like an engineer. Uh, They sort of said, oh, well, where do you want to go? And I said, well, where's hot? (laughs) Where's the hottest place? And they sort of said, well, you've got Kalgoorlie, um, but you've also got Perth. And I said, yeah, OK, let's go to Perth. And plus the fact, I, there was a colleague of mine who I worked with in uh, this salon in Bristol, and he'd gone to Perth and opened a salon. I thought, well, I could write to him and I might get a job. So we ended up in Perth, and, oh, my God, it was so hot. I mean, literally... <laughs> too hot, almost. It was too hot, and literally... And people said that you could fry eggs on the boot... On the, on the bonnet of your car, well, you can. So you have a funny story. You told me. Well, <laughs> I ended up in, um, ended up working in this salon called Pucci, which was. Um, <clears throat> remember, this is eight, the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> Pucci, Fiorucci. It's all that sort of like <laughs> Studio Fifty Four moment in Perth, Western Australia. I've never been in a salon like this. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I think that I'm going to Australia and I'm going to be Charlie Big Spuds, because it's going to be like the outback. Well, this place was so progressive. I think me and my boss were the only straight people in there. You go to the salon and it was full-on kind of like club music. It's like lesbian, gay, transsexual. Everybody is working there. Brilliant. You know, and it was a real eye-opener for me because I could never quite work out what lesbians did because they didn't have a willy, you know. I was like, what do they do? I mean... Did you ask them? I did, I did. You know, because, I mean, there was that whole kind of, like, scissor-sister things, but I'm like, well, without a willy, what do you do? Um, anyway, fine. 
young child. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there I am, and there's this uh, hairdresser there called Neil. And, not me. Uh, no, not you. <laughs> this guy called Neil, and a lovely man, and um, I said, it was very hot, and I just arrived in Australia, and he, saw, he said, uh, so what are you going to wear on your first day to the salon? He said, because you can see, like, you know, everybody's really sort of, like, cool. And I said, oh, I don't know, what do you, you know, I've got my clogs from um, Sasha's, shall I wear them? He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. He's like, well, you could wear a bikini. <laughs> and I'm like, Really? He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, all the girls come come to work in bikinis. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm living out in a place called uh, what was it called? Koondoola. All oh, right. Yeah, Koondoola. <laughs> I'm living in Koondoola, which is in Wanneroo. And it takes me an hour to come in on the bus. So there I am, and I'm in this kind of high-cut, navy blue and white striped bikini that's got kind of, like, ties either side. It's like a string bikini. Brilliant. You know, a holder neck. That shoulder-length sort of, like, string bag and my high-heeled shoes from Sasha get on the bus chewing gum. It takes me an hour to get to the salon. <laughs> and, um, but as I'm going along on the bus, more and more people are coming, getting on. I'm like, everybody seems to be wearing normal clothes. <laughs> like, Neil told me that everybody in Australia goes to work in swimwear. And, so, and then I have to have a 15-minute walk through, like, the city of Perth, which is like going through Canary Wharf yeah. in a bikini to the salon. And I get there, and, like, you know, I'm the first one stood outside, then all the staff are coming and you know everybody's going who's the, the new girl it's the girl, it's the the girl in the bikini so basically I had to wear a gown all day <laughs> yeah so yeah. has he tricked you yeah yeah bastard on my what first bastard? day yeah. <laughs> but we did because we did, we did become good friends but uh yeah Brilliant. but you know I love that I, I just have so vision, now I've got a vision of you walking through yeah. <laughs> the streets with a bikini I'm thinking yeah. you look great but it was the 80s so you don't care right no so from your hairdressing career you then moved into makeup yeah. Yeah. How did that transition actually happen? What made you go? I'm going to start doing some makeup. Well, I never wanted to. Um, I never wanted to be a makeup artist. I was really good, and that sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet. But I was really good at hair. Sorry and I... to be self-praising. <laughs> <laughs> I was good at hair and I and because I was good at it I was comfortable at it then I used to wear a lot of makeup a lot of makeup and I also used to paint I used to do I used to love oil painting I'd sort of like you know do this kind of like I'd I'd paint at night uh, I had this little studio and then you know I'd hang something during the day that I'd sort of painted the night before. Anyway, people just kept saying to me, you should do makeup. And I was like, nah, why would I want to do that? Like, did you, you used to do a lot of makeup on yourself? Because it was yeah. a big time for makeup, wasn't it? People, yeah. Everyone wearing, men, yeah. women were all wearing oh, makeup. Oh, yeah, yeah, my husband wore makeup. And, and you had to do something different because, you know, it was all about the weekend, it was all about clubbing, and, you know, you'd make your own clothes because you always wanted to be original. You know, it was very much like taboo, but at Connections in Australia. Yeah. You know, so it was all about standing out. I did a test once um, with, you know, a, f- a photographer, a makeup artist, where I did the hair, and these people were so awful to me that I thought I would never, ever, ever get into doing session work. Anyway, as luck would have it, in my salon in Sydney, everybody used to come to my salon. I had all the stylists, fashion directors, the models all came, you know, my friends were photographers and designers, blah, blah, blah. 
everyone. So we'd all start, we'd just shoot, mm. you know, for something to do on the weekend. A friend of mine was a makeup artist. It was the 80s, so we were going to a lot of funerals because a lot of our friends were dying. So anyway, so I'm coming back from Daryl's funeral and this friend of mine, Stephen Price, sort of said, look, I want to be a photographer. I want to be a photographer, so I'm going to start testing and shooting. And this was my perfect opportunity because I quite like change. And I said, yeah, well, I want to be a makeup artist. And he sort of said, OK, well, let's, let's, let's do it together. And that's kind of how I started. You know, in Australia, you have to do both hair and makeup. That's what I was doing. It wasn't until I decided that I was divorcing my husband, which was, this was like about 1994, I was going to divorce my husband, sell the salon and come back to London. That was when I decided that um, I would never do hair again. Oh, really? You yeah. were like, I'm done? I'm done. You know, I'm going to never do hair again. Uh, it's, it's a funny story. I was uh, at a party. A friend of mine, who I used to work with a lot, she said to me at the party, she sort of said, what do you mean you've divorced Terry? You've sold the salon and you're going to London. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to London. I'll never do hair again. I'm going to be a makeup artist. And this friend of mine said, well, that's interesting because um, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. She was a bit of a model mm. and a stylist. And she said, I'm going to L.A. I'm going to study acting. And, and that was that. And roll on 15 years. I get a phone call from my agent going, are you free to do Naomi Watts? You know, um, at go to her hotel to do her for some premiere. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is your friend. This is my friend who said she was going to study acting. Brilliant. You know, and so, yeah. So I remember going to her, the Charlotte Street Hotel, and, you know, she opened the door, and I went, g'day, mate. <laughs> g'day. And I'm like, God, look at us now, you know. So, um, yeah, that was quite exciting. How brilliant. That must have been amazing when you're suddenly, you know, you both say you're going to leave. Yeah. You go off in completely different directions, and then suddenly it comes back together but yeah. you've suddenly been both been successful yeah. at completely different things altogether yeah. but you know I think for me it might have been because of my youth or was it the 80s but a lot of us had a sort of like a devil may care attitude it was almost like if you're a creative person you can do anything mm. like you can turn your hand to anything you know uh, you know, it goes back to that putting people in boxes. You, you know, you're not just a hairdresser. You're more than that, you know. Um, you're not just a makeup artist, you know. I mean, there's one time when I thought I was going to give it all up and be a designer. It's I do think... Don't you think that well, the 80s helped create that a lot in people? Yeah. It made suddenly everybody go, I could do that. I could maybe make music. And, yeah. you know, and suddenly you had friends who became, like, pop stars or... Yeah. But not in the way that it's done now where it's much more manufactured. It was much yeah. more organic, wasn't yeah. it? Or, yeah. like, you say with Naomi she's like I'm going to go and be an actress yeah. and people just go off it's set a premise now for everything moving forward I mean now things have changed again recently because yeah. now everyone thinks they can do everything but yeah but don't you think that's history repeating itself yeah we thought we could do everything in the 80s that's true and then like you know the millennials now they're kind of like yeah I can do that yeah I can do that you know yeah in terms of you moving to London I remember um, you telling me a while ago that you were working with a model in Australia Emma Balfour oh yeah and Emma ended up becoming a huge model in the 90s yeah, and yeah. early 2000s, didn't she? And she yeah. was one of the sort of grunge movement girls, yeah. I guess, being girlfriends with David Sims. Yeah. But um, when you arrived in London, did, did you have a portfolio or was I it...? I did have a portfolio. I had a portfolio, but the only sort of model in my portfolio was Emma Balfour, you know, because that, um, that's who I used to test with and um, that's who I used to work with. And I, I didn't have very much in my portfolio. 
studio. I but was, was Emma already in London by the time you got here, or did she come? I think, no, she was already in London. She'd left. And there was a photographer that I was working with a lot at that time called Martin Thompson, who, you know, was one of Australia's finest photographers of that moment. So he was here in London. Yeah, I had this book, and, you know, it was nice enough. It wasn't heavily, you know, on the side of makeup, except for there was this black and white shoot of Emma Balfour, and I went in to see um, this, this agency. They just sort of, like, flicked through my book. As they do. As they do. <laughs> you sort of wonder where they're actually looking, don't no, you? No, I know. And then, um, you know, they sort of um, said, OK, we'll, we'll give you a call, and you think, well, that's that then, you know, and then I got a call later on that afternoon. We'll take you on. You Who know. was that? That was Camilla Arthur. Yeah. We'll take you on, and um, are you, you know, will you be available to do some shows? And I sort of said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember it was London Fashion Week. I was going to do this show, and my agency said, well, we better get you some assistance, which they did. I think Mary Jane Frost was one of my assistants. I can't remember who else was. I remember having to stand outside the show because I didn't know anyone in London. Right. And I stood outside... Did you not have any friends here that you... No. No. Nothing, nothing, apart from Martin Thompson. I stood outside the show in this green, bright green rubber trench coat with a red gerbera flower. And I was wearing this big sort of gerbera flower and I sort of said to the agent, can you tell all the assistants to look for the girl in the green rubber coat? Because that'll, that'll be That's me. me. <laughs> That's me, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it was really great. And it was, I think, again, because I had this devil-may-care attitude... When I arrived in London, because I knew Martin Thompson, he'd already started g giving me some work. Right. So when I went in to see Camilla Arthur, I, they, they sort of looked through my book and I and they sort of said, OK, well, we'll give you a call. And I'm like, well, well, no worries. I said, because I've got my own jobs already. So they're probably thinking, oh, right, she's OK. Yeah. You know, sub subliminally, I was selling myself, you know. Quite a brave move, though, oh, yeah. from Australia to yeah. London, even though you're British, it's yeah. still... London's still can be quite daunting, can't it, when you get here, even yeah. when you're British. It's yeah. like a big yeah. thing, especially with our industry as well. But like yeah. you say, I think you had that devil-may-care thing that you I did, and also, you know, I mean, I you know, I arrived in London going through divorce, completely heartbroken. So, you know, I was on a journey of self-discovery. You know, I mean, I got married when I was kind of like 17. Before that, I was living at home. I'd never lived alone. I'd never been in a flat. Um, I went straight from home to my then husband. So the whole idea of girls' nights out, gangs of girls, I'd not experienced that. So coming to London, it you know, it was a big sort of eye-opener, you yeah. know. And I remember, I mean, this sounds sort of like really depressing, but I remember... <laughs> <laughs> Were you all a bit misunderstood, you know? <laughs> yeah, but when I first got here, you know, like, I mean, and I wanted to work. I wanted to work seven days a week. I'd do anything, you know. But we're just a network as well. Yeah. You know, there'd be some times when, you know, I wouldn't speak to anybody, you know, from a Friday night to a Monday morning. I do that now. <laughs> because you just arrived and yeah. you don't know anybody. Mm. But, but I did, you know, I... I made it my goal to be everywhere, do everything, and, you know, and call people and make friends because mm. that's the only way you can do it, really. Yeah. You know. Last night, I was trying to think when I very first met you, mm. and all I could remember was that you and I did were booked on a shoot with Jürgen Teller, and for the life of me, I can't remember what shoot it was, but that was the very first time I actually met you. I just remember it. And would have it. that been... Can you remember with, what it was? Would have that been with Vanessa? 
Venetia styling. Probably. And did we have a girl that I painted a black nose on? Maybe. And she had like she had like Mickey Mouse ears. Maybe. But I just remember it was the first time you'd worked with Jurgen, oh. and I had already worked with him a few right. times. And I, I, always, I distinctly remember you saying to me, "So what is he like?" Yeah. <laughs> what is he? And like? I remember just saying to you, "He's a bit mental, but it's good, <laughs> but it's good." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, 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 that was. And I remember thinking then, you know, that I met you and that I liked you because yeah. we had. Quite, I remember we had quite a laugh. Yeah. I think it was a two-day shoot. But I think we were out time. of London. I thought we were in a studio. Oh, we might have been in a studio. Yeah. I think I have a. I don't know. This is. I'm, I mean, my memory's a bit vague these days. But I felt like we were in a studio, unless we did part studio, part yeah. location. We might. Well, have actually, done. we might have been at his studio. Do you remember his studio yes. in Labrick Grove? Yeah. The Black Building. But yeah. I remember it was definitely the first time you'd worked with him, and I'd yeah. already done about two or three shoots with yeah. him. So because it was very early on in my career yeah. too, I just distinctly remember you saying, "What's he like?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was having remembered that. I was then actually thinking. God, I don't think in all the years that I've known you, and I know you've worked a lot with other people, we haven't worked that much together, but we know a lot of the same people. Yeah. But I realise you and I have not been away on a trip together for work. No. Ever. The How only time I've travelled with you, Val, was on the Eurostar to Paris a few times yeah. when we had a few too many sherries with Lisa, with Lisa Butler. Butler. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then we've ended up in... Do you remember? We, and we've all just happened to be on the same train going to Paris for jobs or shows. Yeah. And we ended up in Paris a little bit yeah. pissed. Yeah. Um, and then trying to remember where we were staying. Yeah. Well, I think Lisa ended up staying with me at my hotel. I think you're right. That one yeah. time she did, didn't she? I remember we were... Oh, I woke up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I didn't realise they'd given us a suite. <laughs> but because uh, we'd both left our cases... You know, in this sort of hallway, but um, unbeknownst to me, it was actually the corridor because there was the lift. Mm. You know, we'd actually gone to bed and left the door wide open. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, if I'm... I remember, I remember rightly, Lisa tried to light a cigarette on the no, Eurostar. No, she did light a cigarette. <laughs> no, we, she was. Lisa lit a cigarette on the. She said, "Come on, let's smoke, let's smoke." And I said, but "We can't. We're on the Eurostar." And she's like, "What are they going to do? Chuck us off?" <laughs> Yeah. And I remember the lady coming over and going, like, are you smoking? <laughs> you cigarette it under, under the, the table. table. <laughs> like, no. We were very naughty children. Very naughty. Oh, uh, they were fun times. They were. OK, well, let's fast forward yeah. now. Val Garland. I feel like I'm doing This Is Your Life yeah. now. But you've worked with pretty much everybody in the industry, haven't you? Fair yeah, to say. Yeah. Which, by the way, your fabulous book, Validated, reflects that. And I just wanted to ask you about how the book came about and how hard was it to edit the imagery down to what it became? Because obviously, I mean, you've been doing makeup for 25 years. 25, 20, 30. Yeah, that's a long time or a long body of work to then reduce down into a book, isn't it? And try and say everything that you want to say. So I just wondered how the book came about. By the way, if anyone hasn't bought it, they should go and buy it now. And if they haven't (laughs) got it, why not? Um, It is fabulous. Um, And I have to say, I love the way it's all laid out because it's Thank more you. than just a picture book is it oh, I don't want to say picture but that sounds like I'm belittling it because it isn't but it's you know it's not just like flip the page image after image I love it how it's kind of more interesting and it draws you in well I wanted it to be like me unpredictable you know it needed to be unpredictable and spontaneous and I say this often that I get bored very easily I don't like formulas so it had to be the opposite of that so there had to be an element of punk about it but as Vivian Westwood always says punk is over 40 years old but it's the attitude of punk just something a bit jarring was what I wanted okay so 
Nick Knight said to me, you should do a book because I, I would, Instagram has started happening. I was sort of like, you know, putting up all these close-ups on Instagram and Sam McKnight sort of said, look, you should just do a book of your Instagram pictures. Mm. Um, you should definitely do a book. And um, anyway, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do a book, I'll do a book and didn't really get round to it because, you know, I'm quite shy really. I don't want to put myself out there unless I'm pushed out there, I, I think. And then a friend of mine, Camilla Morton, said, Darling, why don't, why don't we do a book together? And I was like, oh, OK, then. For anyone that doesn't know, just explain who Camilla is. Um, Camilla, at that time, was... Um, she was the commissioning editor at Lawrence King Publisher. But, you know, she's been a close friend of mine for years. I first met her through... Um, she was working with John Galliano, Nick Knight, and our paths would often cross. Yes, I've known her, I've known her for a very long time. So that was about three years ago when she asked me you know, I thought, well, what kind of book would I want to do? I think we live in a sort of an age where unless something jumps out at you, it's just going to sit there. And I thought, you know, like you are putting yourself on the line when you do a book. So what do I want to say? Who am I? And I thought, well, um, I don't want to be Charlie Big Spuds. I don't want to do a book of my ego. I want to do a book that hopefully inspires young makeup artists. Mm. Um, because that's who I thought would hopefully want to buy my book. So there isn't every Vogue cover that I've ever done. That's not important to me. There isn't every um, famous model that I've ever worked with. You know, I have a long history with Kate, mm. and, and I love Kate, but I didn't feel it was necessary to put Kate on the cover because, for me, I, I want it to be about the makeup, not about the people I know. It becomes a different book, doesn't it, when you have somebody like her on the cover? Well, I mean, you know, I, Kate's amazing mm. and a very dear friend, and she is in my book. Yeah. But my book's about makeup. Yeah. You know, and how I did it or how I do it. Mm. And so, um, so, okay, so three years ago, um, it took me a long time to find the voice of the book. I wanted it to be like me, which is a little bit irreverent, um, a bit quirky, sometimes funny. I wanted it to be, uh, you know, have an element of bonkers and not be too serious. Mm. And not be up my own arse, you know, <laughs> really. So, um, You're I, too real for that anyway. Well, <laughs> hopefully. And um, so anyway, so I thought, well, we better start with the writer. I did start, uh, my boyfriend writes, I did start, I'm going to say this now, I did start with um, Glenn writing, and then I felt, because he comes from a music background, I thought we'd kill each other. <laughs> so I said, no, I said, you know, I love you too much for you to write this book. Did he start to write it? Yes, he oh, started he to write it. And although it, it was amazing, um, it didn't sound like me. And then I went through two other writers and they didn't sound like me either. You know, it either sounded very highbrow and very sort of like, you know, the legend that is Val Garland. Quite journalistic. Journalistic. Kind of. And mm. I was like, oh, I'm already bored. And then um, the other, I went to another writer and that was very sort of like how to tips and tricks and what was your inspiration and I'm like oh I'm incredibly bored <laughs> you know and I thought you know what I'm just going to write it myself and I've decided that you know there's going to be very few words they'll just be you know um, statements anyway so I'm on holiday in Mexico and for some unknown reason I have a Facebook page 
that um, you wouldn't know it was me because um, it's under another name. It's only for me and my family. I sort of like clock in about every six months. And uh, anyway, I'm on holiday in Mexico and um, for some unknown reason, Carl Pluker is on my Facebook um, thing. I've probably only got 29 followers on yeah. Facebook. You know. But he's there. He's on holiday in Goa and he's doing this sort of like daily sort of diary of like what happened. Oh, that diary. It was so funny, wasn't so it? Brilliant. It was yeah. so funny. And I thought, you know, this is a man that thinks, well, he makes me laugh. This is the person I want to help me write my book, mm. you know. So. Oh, it's, good. it's funny because I was going to ask you why did you pick Carl in the end, but that's but totally that's a, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. and I, cause I thought, well, he'll get... And I've known Carl for years. Mm. I've known him as a fashion editor, stylist. I didn't realise that he was such a good writer. I think he should go on and write He more. still doesn't realise, does he? No, Not really. he's a brilliant writer, yeah. you know. And I remember another friend of mine telling me, you know, oh, Carl is a, an amazing historian of fashion, and he truly is, yeah. you know. He he knows his he knows his crumpets. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to ask you though. I, I mentioned it to you mm. before. How did you end up editing all that amount of work down to what it is now? Um, it was a process. You know, you start with it's like if you're having a party and you want to invite fifty guests. Well, you invite a hundred. Yeah. You know. Basically, um, I thought, okay, what are all my favourite images? You know, and I put up boards in my atelier and just put up all my favourite images and what it was I liked about them. And I, I started off with, OK, this is the lip section, you know, this is the glossy section, this is the skin section. And then I thought, well, no, that's not me. Because uh, when I was talking to Camilla, she sort of said, OK, we need a formula. That's red rag to a ball to me. We don't need a formula. You know, she sort of said, we should start with foundation, eyes, lips. And I'm like, no, this isn't a self-help book for makeup artists or a how-to. I'm not going to do that. It was just a question of what we could get the rights to. Uh, I'm very fortunate that um, most of the photographers that I work with, with said, just opened their vaults and said, yes, you can have what you want. And then it was just a question of like what flows. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, I guess because we've done our own books before, yeah, you know, back in our own, it's all about the flow. Yeah. And, you know, both you and I have done many a beauty story or hair story, and it's about the flow. Yeah. So it's what goes with what and what should be a full page bleed, what should be, you know, a small thing. Yeah. You know? It was just a process. I mean, I, I enjoyed it I didn't get emotional about the things that had to go and again it was I don't feel you have to put the whole story in you do that if you don't have the confidence yeah you know I mean it was just about going like well yeah let's just take that one you know because that just says it all yeah I loved it and I did work with an art director but I guess I was a very bossy <laughs> client I'd probably be the same well it's it your work it had to feel like you know in all honesty I think we practically laid it out or when I say we the royal we you know I laid it out my Myself, but also with uh, the help of yeah. um, Joey works with me, Joey Choi. Um, she and I basically did this. Because you know. I loved how in the book, like you say, you didn't do lips, eyes, yeah. foundation. You you created these categories which I thought were amazing. So you've got raw, graphic, colour chaos, dolly mixture, mm. sticky sexy, savage and tooled up. Which yeah. Do you know what I love about those titles, by the way? 
They're words I imagine you saying. <laughs> well, yeah, but it had to be. When I when I saw those, I was like, oh my god, I can just hear those words coming yeah. out of your mouth. You know what I mean? Saying these. This is the sticky, sexy section. Yeah. Could you just very briefly explain each one for the, for the benefit okay. of those that haven't seen the book? All or... right. Okay. So, um, is it still called? Oh yeah. The title is called Raw. Raw. And then we go into Skin, Skin Up, up. which yeah. I, it's very me. You know. So okay. So basically, um, Raw. That's basically about real skin it's like as a makeup artist you know your most important um, tool that you need to know is that you need to know how to do skin that's basically it really crossing the line I mean I guess that is about graphic shapes and things isn't it yeah yeah. That's, you know, anything from, you know, a cat eye liner to a full-on kiss makeup. You know, yeah. it's all about, it's all about technique. Colour chaos, riot in a paint box. I love that, riot in a paint right. box. Well, that's very, I, I love colour. Yeah. You know, I guess that goes back to, you know, my roots of, like, where I started, which was, like, the 80s, and it was all about a lot of colour then. So that's that. Um, Dolly Mixture, welcome to the dollhouse. You have an obsession with dolls, don't you? I don't, I know. <laughs> Like I'm some, looking at a load of them. I know. I sound like um, some kind of like batty old lady, you know, up in the attic. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've never had children, and these are my children. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've always liked toys. Mm. Even when, um, and that's not just the sexual kind. Um, <laughs> but even when I was in Australia, um, I had a toy collection. Yeah. You know, and I remember when I left Australia, um, I, I I couldn't bring everything with me because I was so depressed. I bought I bought four pairs of trousers, four pairs of shoes. <laughs> you know, uh, I had four suitcases. Everything and was left four. the rest of your life behind. And I left the rest of my life behind. <laughs> and so I had to leave behind my toy collection with this great friend of mine, Wazza. Yeah, so I've I've just always liked. I think I like childish things. Mm. You know, I mean, I look over here now, and I've got you know ducks. Sitting ducks under a great picture by Tim Walker. Yeah. You know, there I've got kind of like loads of smiley faces and little chicken egg, little chooks. Yeah. Little chooks in the cacti. You know, there's always an element of the toy shop. I yeah, I like the toy shop. And I guess that goes back to fairy tales, magic, imagination, you know. Yeah, I've always liked the I don't know. I guess you feel like that allows your imagination to run wilder, having that in your life. Perhaps, and I also think perhaps you know it keeps perhaps it keeps you young. You know, I like I mean like Vivian Westwood is the same. You know, we both always want to feel an irreverent childlike moment yeah. about what we do together. Mm. You know, um, if it's too laboured, I don't know. There's a heaviness about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah. By the way, I love that pic, Tim Walker picture. Me too. <gasps> Yeah. I have, do you know I have an obsession with yellow hair? Well, so me too. I used to have yellow hair. Did you? Yeah. Oh. In the 80s. Love yellow hair. Me, well, I love any... Look, yellow. Yeah. Yellow! <laughs> yellow! I've just I done a yellow. hair story that's about to come out and I've done a bright yellow oh, wig. I love it. Yeah. I'm really yeah. excited, but yeah. I think it's because it's a happy colour. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, such a beautiful picture. Sticky sexy, building to a climax, Val. What kind of climax are we talking? Um, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, for me, um, you know, lots of people think I don't do sexy. Mm. They always think that, oh, you know, she's going to do something, like, a bit mad, you know. But I can do sexy. And, uh, but it's, it's how you see sexy. I mean, like, my idea of sexy is probably somebody dripping in honey, you know. Um, I mean, there was one shoot that I did with Nick Knight, 
that was in the book that I had to take out because it was too sexy. And I thought, oh, maybe that's not right. What would you say, almost verging on erotica kind of erotica. thing? Erotica. But then, I, you know what, I, I love erotica. Yeah, me too. You know, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, there's, um, I've got a book in my library and it's called Dirty Windows. You know, it's about being a voyeur and looking through um, New York windows and it's, you know, it's some kind of, like, brothel. Yeah. And it's what's going on in the toilets, you know. I guess, you know, anything dark. Yeah. Sally Forever, perhaps. Sally Forever, talking of Julia Davis. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, leave a gentleman. So, yes, Savage focuses on really these particular people that you worked with, didn't it? Which, obviously, they are very prolific characters and people it, yeah. in the industry and it was a you know i guess it was a prolific it was a prolific moment in time you know for my career you know yeah. I, I you know i just sort of like working with katie england she introduced me to alexander mcqueen um i just started working with night nick knight he introduced me to John Galliano. So it was uh, an incredible moment. Would you say that was a big turning point in your career? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's quite funny. At the time, you don't think it is. No. You're just going along with the flow, not realising that this is a very historical moment. Yeah. You know. And what we were doing, and it was the birth of Days and Confused, mm. you know, and a lot of what we were doing was quite savage, raw, on the edge, you know. We wanted to mash things up, you know, and try things for the first time. And actually, when you look back now at what you did and the people that you worked with, they're things that will be remembered forever, which is amazing, isn't it, that you can be part of that. And those people can... You all work together to create this amazing thing. I mean, I remember going to see a couple of Lee McQueen shows yeah. and just being absolutely blown away because I was like, I have never seen yeah. a show like this before in my life. Yeah. And it was very controversial at the time, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. But then when you think of now, it's... It just seems quite, not normal, that's the wrong word, but we've just taken it in our stride. Well, and also we've moved on. Yeah. You know. But yeah. I mean, that first Bumpster. Yes. Who would have thought Bumpster? Bumpsters, yeah. You know, and, you know, and like bodices made out of cling film. You know, it was it was very punk. Yeah. And I'm, like you said earlier, punk isn't necessarily the way people look, it's an attitude. Yeah. And I think that's why you can you can still... That word does get bantered around a lot, yeah. doesn't it? But I yeah. think there are times when it can be used because it's, yeah. about, it's about a way of thinking and a well, way of anarchy. being. Well, it's anarchy. Yeah, it's total anarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think... I don't know what you think about but I don't feel there's a lot of anarchy right now. No. In terms of fashion, it's kind of become a little bit safe at the moment. Well, I do think that there's... You know, there are some incredible young designers coming through that are sort of pushing the envelope. Just yesterday I was working with um, Richard Quinn, seeing what he's putting together and how he's seeing things is is very interesting. And Mm. And the techniques and the way he's using material... It's perhaps not material. You know, it's, um, yeah. That but do you think in this day and age <coughs> it's harder for those guys to push through, say, than back in the day when, like, well, it's hard. John Galliano and everybody? Well, I think it's, it's getting harder to find something that hasn't already been done. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what was the great thing about um, Vivian, was she would reference you know, the 1800s mm. or medieval or something, but she put a whole twist on it so that she made it today. And I think that's what you've got to find 
is the new hook that stops it just being a copycat of what Lee did, you know, what John did, mm. what Vivian did. And your last category in your book, or chapter, should we yeah. say, is tooled up, which is yeah. thinking outside the makeup box. I have to say, I loved this chapter just because of what it represents. You know, the fact that you've put in like icing sugar, pom pom, seaweed, pantyhose, you know, writing icing, paint roller. There's lots, there's so many different things there, isn't it? And I love the fact that you've added that in there to show that you don't just turn up with you a know, makeup, a makeup kit, yeah. foundations, <coughs> da, 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 da. I mean, I know I've worked with you. We worked together recently and you turn up with eight suitcases mm. and you've just got absolutely everything in there. And I love that about you, Val. I think that's one of the great things about you as a makeup artist that you completely think outside the box. I need to be inspired. I get inspired by everyday things. So, you know, um, when I'm out and about, you know, I'm always on the lookout for different things. I could be in a hardware shop. You know, I could be in a cake baking shop. You know, I could just be in the garden. Yeah. So I always have what I call my Blue Peter bag. And sometimes I don't really reference images. It was funny, I was on a job yesterday that I thought was going to be very inspirational in terms of makeup. So we we brought the Blue Peter bag and basically I'll get my girls just to lay all these different things out. It could be cashmere, it could be wire wool, it could be candy floss. It could be paper drinking straws. Yeah. And um, it could be cupcake holders. So I get them to lay out all this different sticky back plastic. It might be even sweets. And, or vegetables. <laughs> and, you know, lots of things. But they lay it all out. You know, I might look at it and use none of it and then just take apart a piece of cotton wool. Yeah. That's in my kit, you know. Or, or crush some powder a different way maybe I'm using a pestle and mortar I don't know for me it's important to have all this stuff to inspire me by and take yesterday for example we did n I did nothing in terms of makeup all day apart from clean skin and then just as we were finishing the photographer said the fashion director wants to get in two quick beauty looks we know you're fast foul it's six o'clock <laughs> can we get two you know incredible beauty looks and be out of here by seven. Yeah, sure. Thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do Where's now? Where's the pizza table? <laughs> and we did. We pulled together two, two quite strong looks with some elastic bands and a zip. Brilliant. You know, but uh, yeah, so, but I love that. I love being, yeah. I love being spontaneous and put on the edge of like, come on then. Yeah. Come on then, what have you got? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a funny story in here. Well, there's quite a few, isn't there? I mean, which one should we talk about? Um, you choose. Do you know what's funny is, seeing, when I saw that bit at the back, I actually thought, God, sometimes when I look at your work, it sounds mad. I feel you feel like you want to lick the girl's face because it's quite because <laughs> they're quite edible. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my god, because she uses you use food and things, you know what I mean, like icing sugar and all that kind of thing. And I was like, that's why <laughs> it looks like it's quite edible. <laughs> you know, there's you know, I, I I think what I like is 
I like the 3D aspect, mm. you know. Yeah. So I like it, when, yeah, when it's a bit more... I don't know, I like just mixing it all up, you know. We like just having a play, isn't it, really, and having yeah. fun with it and not being too formulaic about what yeah. you do all the time. I mean, I remember when I uh, went to work with um, Gareth Pugh and he had an incredible makeup artist that had been doing his shows for quite some time who's very artistic. I was going in here for the first time and I thought... I've got to pull something out of the bag here. And um, I had no idea what I was going to do, um, but I did bring the Blue Peter bag. And in the Blue Peter bag, there are things that um, I bought maybe in the 80s, but they're still in there. I just haven't found yeah, a place use for to them use yet. them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'm talking to Gareth and Carson, and I can remember it vividly. Gareth saying, I'm thinking Lindsay Kemp. Donna Summer, I want lots and lots of glitter. It's a Soho neon nightclub kind of vibe. So what did I give him? <laughs> American tan tights? <laughs> and not a bit of glitter anywhere. <laughs> so, because I thought, you know, um, <clears throat> with Gareth, because everything that he does is so, sort of like larger than life, yeah. you know, he's in that sort of genre of John Galliano, um, Alexander McQueen, it has to be larger than life. So I thought, what can we do that's a bit different? And I thought, okay, well, um, I remember Lee Bowery, you know, stockings over the head. Yeah. So I thought, let's make all the girls, which is probably a little bit on PC now, like make them all quite clony. And uh, so we'll make them into sort of like mannequins. We were in a moment in makeup where everything was glossy. And I thought, okay, let's sort of go the opposite and go matte, matte American tan tights why are they called american town tights i don't, I don't know. know and then i thought okay we'll stick to uh three colors red black blue and everybody will have a beauty spot you know and it'll be the same it'll be a similar kind of makeup but because the tights went over the girl's head heads when they were walking on the catwalk you could see their eyes flickering behind the tights and so it made them look like AIs yeah like these sort of like mannequin AIs I mean yeah I think he liked it I mean it looked amazing do you know what it reminded me of and I don't know whether it was ever an intention there's, there's been a documentary about it about those oh, yes. people that dress in the rubber outfits yes. it, it reminded yes. me of that because yeah. what you were saying earlier about the clo about them looking like yeah. clones that's almost clone like I saw isn't that it? I saw that yeah program. I mean I, I'm um, it's lots not, of straight men do loads of straight yeah. men and I mean I, it's not my thing but it yeah. fascinates me yeah. as to why they want to do it and then obviously I started looking into what you did and then it's yeah. in the book about how you did it and yeah. everything and, uh, you know, Malcolm Edwards did the hair, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and all the girls loved it because I made it very hard for myself, which is something that I want to do sometimes. Once the tights went over the girls' faces, they couldn't eat, drink or smoke. Of course. And everybody knows that, you know, it's usually a four-hour <laughs> call time for a show. Yeah. And at least one or two girls are going to want to go outside for a fag. And so I thought... I cannot put the stocking over the girls' face, mm. faces until the very last half an hour before the show. Mm. So I've got 25 girls to do in half an hour because I've got to get the tights over their heads and then I've got to do the makeup. Oh my God, so you did the whole lot in 25 minutes? Yeah. Wow. You didn't make your life easy, did you? No, no, I know. I mean, uh, you know, it was just so hard. Because, first of all, Malcolm had to wrap the hair. That takes time. Yeah. Malcolm um, 
put the ball caps on. That takes time. We then had to colour. We did colour the ball caps to match the girls' faces. Right. Um, so we did that. Then Malcolm had to put the wigs on. Then Malcolm cut the wigs. Yeah. So I just had to sort of like. You wait. were like the last yeah. port of call, it, I, really. I know. It was it was quite stressful, but yeah. I but did, you did it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, moving on from the amazing book, yeah. Um, because I know you were saying earlier as well that your Instagram account is what was pushing people to say you should do a book. Mm. Your Instagram has become like a really wonderful platform to share not only your work, but all the things that inspire you, I mm. think. And um, I wanted to ask, do you still enjoy doing it now because of how social media has become something else besides just sharing and communicating your ideas? Um, because you still post regularly don't you yes. and I'm, I have to say I love what you post it's I find it very inspiring because it's not just makeup you post things that you like in art she's the artist yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I do like a lot of art I think for me I realize that um, social media has become a business but I think in order to be uh, what's the word in order to be true to what I think you have to be true to yourself and like I said, when I was a hairdresser, I went into it because I wanted to be creative. Right. I wasn't interested in making money. My Instagram account, I think, has to reflect who, what I'm into, yeah. not necessarily what I'm plugging or what I have to plug. I mean, the whole idea about validated came about because... At the time when I started posting validations, it was because it, in those days, um, people would cover up their products backstage. Everybody was very secret about what they were using. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I didn't have a contract at that time. I thought, I'm just going to tell people this is a good product. And I think the very first thing I put up was a Laura Mercier um, concealer. And I put I, you know, a picture of it and I sort of said, look, this is a great product. It's in my kit. I validate this. And then the next day, I went into work and I was working with Marion Newman. And uh, she said, oh, that was really clever what you did yesterday. I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, when you validated. And she's like, you know, validated, like you validate it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I didn't think of it like that. And so that's... Oh, so you started. didn't realise no, that you'd done it just, that? it just came about. And yeah. so then I started doing it. And I would sort of say, this is a good product. And then beauty editors would start going like, oh... Val Garland's validated that, then let's have a look at that. Yeah. You know, and um, so that's how it all became so about. So it almost, it was... In, it was it organic. Was organic, but yeah. also sort of putting across that you are an expert in your field and you're validating these particular products. Yes, and yeah. I'm not being paid for it. Yes. You know, and yeah. that was the most important thing. So, you know, with my account... I Put up what what I believe in, yeah. And I have to say that's what I like about it is that it still doesn't feel like because a lot of people use Instagram and social media now to sell something. Mm. It doesn't feel like you're mm. doing that, which is mm. still. But great. you know, but I'm a brand director for for a brand director. I'm the global director of makeup for L'Oreal Paris. Yeah. And and I post for L'Oreal, but I'm posting what I really like. Yeah. You know, like there's a great mascara which I could show you that's in my makeup bag, my personal makeup bag. It's a L'Oreal one, it's called Infallible Mascara. But yeah, it works. Yeah. You know, so it's got to work. 
So your yeah your lipstick Val. What's your favourite one that you're wearing um, right now? It's uh, it's called Smile. It's an Isabel Morant lipstick. It's called Royal Palais. Okay. It's kind of like a sort of a bit of a an orangey red. Nice. Because yeah. that you, that is your signature, isn't it? Your yeah. red lipstick. I do like a yeah. If I'm going to wear makeup, yeah. Um, I like to wear a lipstick because funnily enough, I'm quite allergic to makeup, especially eye makeup. Weird. If I wear sort of like a lot of eye makeup for three or four days, then my eyes quite red. Do you know what I've noticed this month, yeah. without wanting to generalise? Most makeup artists, female, yeah. don't wear much makeup. Yeah. Do they? No, no, it's true. It's like all the ones that I know rarely wear makeup on themselves. If they do, it's really subtle. Yeah. Like, I always think of you with a lip. I don't yeah. really think of you with anything else or, yeah. yeah. So Val, I originally came up with the idea to interview when your book was about to launch, but obviously I didn't get my crap together to make that happen. So um, <laughs> here we are now in 2019 and your book's been released, which we've already talked about. But the great thing is now is, is that you've done this TV show for the BBC, um, which has just released. I wanted to talk to you about the show. Um, obviously, like I've said before in my podcast, the reason why I'm doing these interviews is because I want to interview people that are more, in our business, who are more entrepreneurial and think outside the box, which you definitely do. And I think the fact that you're doing this TV show, again, is another, it's like you're exploring another avenue of your career. And I just wanted to talk to you about how it came about, the TV show, and what it's about, and you know how, it, how it's been as an experience for you, because it's something new. The show is called Glow Up, a company that um, have put the whole show together. Um, they called me, oh, I think it was uh, kind of May last year, and they had this idea for this never-before-seen uh, sort of programme for BBC Three. The idea was to do a makeup programme um, to find Britain's next top makeup artist. Right. Um, and they asked me would I like to do it and for me because this was something that had never been done before um, I always like to you know drop myself into the abyss mm. and, and give it a go so um, I thought I was quite excited by the idea and they sort of said oh look we'd like to shoot it in you know August and I was like well that's not going to happen because <laughs> I'm on know, holiday thanks. yeah I'm on holiday <laughs> and um and so anyway, so we decided that we'd shoot it in September, um, but we had to shoot it before the, the shows kicked off. So we had an intense 16 days um, where we um, did, spent two days on each episode. And it was very exciting um, and I loved it. And the people, uh, the contestants, I mean, it Are was- Are they from a, all different walks of life? They're from or? all different walks of life. Then they're from all different, Walks of makeup. Ah, so they're already makeup artists. They are already makeup artists. Uh, some of them aren't. No. You know, some of them are sort of like self-taught. Actually, a lot of them are self-taught. You know, some of them have come from reputable makeup companies. So it's a, it's a real mixed bag, mm. but they're all good in yeah. their own right. And so what's the premise behind it? Are they in a house or are they staying somewhere? Or? So there's ten contestants and they all come together in a house where they will, they will be in that house for 16 days. Right. So it's their backstory, it's their makeup, it's how they work under pressure, mm. where is their artistry coming from. Mm. So it's very intense. But as you know, to make it in this business... 
it's not just about your skill. No. It's, you know, it's that's, that's kind of like 30%. Yeah. You know, it's about you mm-hmm. and, and how you interact with people and how you work under pressure. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, and it was a new thing. And for, the, I mean, there's three judges. There's myself. Are you the head judge? Apparently, um, apparently. So you're like the Simon Cowell. Well, I don't know. I think in the first episode, which is which is just aired, I come across as quite quiet. Oh. Dominic's doing lots of the talking. Um, so there's Dominic Skinner, there's Stacey Dooley, and there's myself. And then each week we will have a guest judge. I mean, Stacey Dooley did this uh, program with us, and we we shot this and put it to bed before Strictly. Right. I say something in the first episode which is slightly derogatory. <laughs> and so what's who? Well, I do mention Strictly. Oh, right. So, um, but, that was, but that was before she was doing it. So is Stacey a judge or a presenter? <coughs> ah, ju- Stacey is the... She is um, the compere. Right. So she looks after our... MUAs, make makeup artists. Mm. So yeah, so in the first episode, um, I come across, I believe, as fair but firm. Right. And I'm quite quiet, but if I want to say something, I say something. So you um, say it as you see it. I say it as I see it. I think I come across as um, I don't suffer fools. <laughs> So um, I'm a little bit scared that I'm going to get hate mail. I think I'm evil. Evil. <laughs> I think I'm evil. Right. But you know, um, it's fine. Um, and you know, and the thing is, the thing is, um, you can be flowery and lovely and 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 gorgeous and positive and all of that, but that's not going to get you a job in this business. No. You know, in this business, um, you better know what you're doing. You better not. You better know how you're going to work it out. Yeah. You just get one, one, one bite of the cherry here. Yeah. You can teach someone um, how to be technical. You can teach them. You can teach them how to cut hair. You can teach them the technicalities of symmetry, alignment, how to be precise in makeup, what goes where. But you can't teach someone to be artistic. No. Now, you can put in so much research and practice, 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 and you can deliver a great makeup. Mm. And then you can get somebody that goes out all night, you know, um, kind of um, listens to the brief or looks at the brief and goes, yeah, and just goes, bosh. And they've done it. Yeah. You know, because it's a, it's a you know... It's and who, a feeling, isn't it? It's a it? feeling. And who's to say which is the better artist? Is the better artist the one who has trained, has been taught the skills? Or is the better artist that the passion just comes from within? Yeah. I think I'm probably going to go with the bad boy, mm. the one who has just got it regardless of whether they did it in three seconds or three weeks. Yeah. That is always the one that I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for the Damien Hurst. Yeah. So would you say as a judge then, you feel like you were 
not treating them, but the way that you were handling it was that you were sort of preparing them for how it would be in our world. I, I, I believe so. Yeah. You know, because it's... Uh, Rather than being technical about it all. Yeah, it's like, you know, at one point um, I had this discussion with Dom, you know, we're looking at a particular artist's makeup and he sort of says, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's not symmetrical, it doesn't line up. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, mm. you know, because for me, perfection is boring. Yeah. You know, I like the un, un, you know. Imperfection. I like imperfection. I like the unconventional. I like, I don't know, I just like to walk outside the door and see what else is going yeah. on or lift the carpet. You know, so it's, it's very interesting. So, you know, and each week we have guest judges. That's exciting because they bring another element to it. Yeah. We have a guest judge, um, the beauty and fashion director from Marie Claire. <laughs> Whoever achieves the best result from our MUAs gets a chance to have their work appear in um, Marie Claire. Claire. Right. So um, that's pretty major. Mm. Yeah. And what's Dom's background then? Um, well, Compared to yours. Okay, so um, I'm there as, you know, I'm. Val Garland. <laughs> the Val Garland. I am, um, yeah, apparently. And, um, you know... Yeah, the, yeah, Val the Val Garland. That's my Instagram tag. <laughs> I'm also the um, global director of makeup for L'Oreal Paris. Mm -hmm. Dominic Skinner is a senior artist at MAC Cosmetics. Dom and I work together a lot mm. uh, backstage on various different shows, so... We have um, a great camaraderie together. Yeah, I think I think we're a good fit, mm. you know. And also, we know each other very well. That we're quite quite comfortable with not agreeing with yeah. each other. Dom will sort of come at. It's great because we're coming at makeup from two different angles. I mean, Dom is very much a teacher, so he teaches a lot of makeup artists how to do makeup. Whereas um, I come from a self-taught, mm -hmm. devil-may-care background, it's, I feel like it's a bit sort of arty yeah. rather than technical. And what's, so what's the prize, the end prize? The prize is that the winner of the competition will be able to work uh, for a period of time um, with uh, streeters. Agency Your here agency. In my agency here in London, and so they will get to experience editorial, catwalk, um, all sorts of avenues of our business. Right. So it's a great prize, mm. um, and it's one that um, many makeup artists would die for. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because I mean, that's one of the hardest thing. How do you get an agent? Mm. You know. <laughs> Yeah. The billion dollar question, isn't it, really? What, yeah. what, and it, I always find people always say to me, I'm sure you get the same way, they go, how do you get an agent? Yeah. There is no real answer to that. No, there isn't, um, because how you got an agent 15, 20 years ago, it's completely different now. Yeah. How you get an agent today um, is completely depends on your social media. Yeah. You know, so without your social media, I beg to ask myself, my agent's going to hate me saying this, I mean, how important are agents today? Mm. I mean, your Instagram is far more important. Yeah. You know, because that's where everybody looks. There's definitely work. a shift, isn't there? There is a shift, yeah. Yeah, well, there, there already has been a shift. In terms yeah, and of I that. think, you know, today agents need to be more 
managers, mm. you know, because yeah. you're getting your own work. Yeah. You always have done, but it's yeah. even more important now. And especially for people like you and I who've been in the business for a long time, it's people already know who we are. Yeah. And I suppose it's about, st- now for us, it's about staying relevant, isn't it, within the times that we're in? Yes, you that know? is the um, popular word of the day, <laughs> isn't it? Relevant. I know. But is she relevant? Are we relevant? Are you relevant? No. Am I relevant? Yeah. yeah. I, I, it I, used to be, <laughs> is it modern? Yes. But now it's, is it relevant? Mm. Is it I fresh? actually question myself that to you, Val. No, all the time. And I think... You know, you've got to keep you've got to keep learning, and you've got to keep yourself inspired. Mm. Because how can you inspire others unless you're inspired? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, and you've got to love what you do. Yeah. And once you stop loving it, then you know you better go. And well, get you some. might as well stop. Um, I always think when I go on a shoot and I'm suddenly not interested in being there anymore, that will be the day yeah. that I want to give up when I stop looking at the image on the screen or whatever and just kind of going, oh, can I make that better? Can I do this better? Can I, you know... We were talking about it before, about how looking for those little nuances on shoots and things, which, again, like you say, you kind of can't teach people. That's uh, something that just comes from within and if you're really passionate about what you're doing. And I suppose that's something you couldn't teach the contestants in a way, is it? Yes, it's knowing when to stop. Yeah. It's knowing when to stop. When when to throw everything at it, and when to do nothing. Yeah. You know. I've always said as well, there's a skill in not doing very much sometimes. Absolutely. As much as there's a skill in doing loads. Yeah. Like you say, there's, there's a real... It's knowing when to do a load and when to do not very much. And also, you know, I mean, there is... There's a lot to learn about makeup. I mean, you know, throughout the uh, series we cover uh, special effects, mm. you know, um, celebrity, catwalk, editorial. So there are, you know, there's lots of different techniques that you need to know about. I mean, there's some, I mean, like, you know, prosthetics. I mean, you, you may never use prosthetics, but at least if you've got some knowledge of it, yeah. you are forewarned and you can walk into any shoot, mm. you know. And today it's like, Today, more than ever, we are doing and using much more makeup, mm. even on our personal level. So you've got to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited um, about being part of the programme. Did it's, you enjoy the process? Oh, of doing I loved it. it. I yeah. loved it. So you'd um, definitely do it again? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I loved it. It's a completely different way of working. So, and I wanted to try another aspect mm-hmm. of makeup again to sort of like keep me fresh. Mm. And I, I, I'd never done any sort of presenting. I'd never done television. I've never done film. So I wanted to see what that side of of the business was like. Yeah, it's quite different. It's completely different. You're in a different bubble. Mm. But I, I, I did really like it. Did you go and visit them at the house where they were staying? Yes, we did. Um, we did, not not every day, but we sort of did like two or three times. And I think the first time they caught sight of us, they they all nearly fainted, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, did they get on? Well, yes they did and because it's a bit like big brother isn't it yes and i think more of this will be you know revealed you'll you'll have to keep watching okay because it's exciting yeah you'll have to keep watching because you know that everyone's got a backstory Hmm. and it's interesting how that comes across 
in how they a portray themselves and and, and b do their makeup. It's mm. it's it's yeah, it's amazing. quite fascinating. It is fascinating, watch. yeah. Um, mm. I suppose in a way, it's a process that you don't normally see people going through, is it? Even if it wasn't a TV show, yeah, them trying to somehow get on in their career. The business of fashion, or certainly makeup in the fashion world, it's slightly different in TV and um, film. We're completely unregulated. Yeah. You know, so what qualifies you to be a makeup artist that's going to be a catwalk show? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is who you know. Yeah, yeah. Of, of how you get in. Being in the right place, at the right, right time, time, with the right people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I always say to people, don't be thinking about when you're going to make it. Because the people that you are around you with now, at the very beginning, they're the people you're going to make it with. So you should all nurture yourself together, Mm. Mm. you know, to get to that place you want to be. Your happy place. (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, Val. Well, thanks. That's amazing. I'm really excited to see the yes, rest watching, of the show. Yes, keep watching, yeah, no. Channel 3. But I'm watching it for you anyway. But. Yeah, Channel 3, <laughs> well, I think it comes on at like about 10, 10.30 right. at night. Mm, okay, cool. So um, just to finish off then, some rapid fire questions for you for a bit of fun. Favourite food? Triple cooked chips. I've always wondered, so are they chips, they actually get cooked three times, is yeah. that right? Yeah. 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 Right, okay. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Because I've seen that in many restaurants when they say triple cooked. And I'm like, I'm sure if I trickle, triple cooked... God, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, if I triple cooked chips, I'd probably burn them. Do you know yeah, what I mean? um, well, yeah, <coughs> yeah, you've just got to go to a nice restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, forget your truffle fries, your parmesan fries, your sweet potato fries. I want my fries potato with lots of yeah. salt, tomato ketchup... Done. I don't like sweet potato fries. They no. don't work. Don't, no, it doesn't the work. idea of it is good. It just doesn't work. It's not a chip, no, is it? It's not a chip. So, um, next question, Val. What's your guilty pleasure? Manicures. I have Olga. <laughs> She's from Latvia. <laughs> She comes to my house. Great. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. I love her. You do um, always have great nails, by the um, way. I just love having um, a manicure and a pedicure. Oh, does she do your feet as well? Yeah. And she's uh, been trained um, medically, oh. you know, so she can do all of that business. Oh, my God. Yes. I think I need Olga. Is she your best-kept secret? She's my best-kept secret. OK, cool. Where's your favourite place to eat in London? Well, I live in Borough Market, so anywhere in Borough Market... Hawksmoor, um, Native, Brindisa, Arabiata, um, Yen Burger. <laughs> there are so many incredible places yeah. um, in my village. I must admit, if I lived around here, when I walk through the market... Um, yeah, I is fat. I is so fat. I, is I fat, would fat, be fat. as big as a bus if I lived around here. Yeah, well, I am. <laughs> OK, next question. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Julia Davis. Yes. Um, we have the same accent. <laughs> so, and I think we're quite similar. Yes. And there's a resemblance as well. Is there? With the blonde hair and the, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Julia Davis. Oh. I want to be her. <laughs> I, want, I want to inhabit her body. I want to take her over. Yeah. She's my idol. She's, if you're listening, Julia, what is your best feature or personality trait? I don't fluster. I'm calm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just, you know, under pressure. I'm like, okay. Do you lose your temper easily? Not no, really, no. No. I, can't, I don't think I've... 
I've seen you be firm, but I've never seen firm you lose but your fair. T- yeah. Firm but fair. Yeah. Um, I don't really lose my temper. It's, um, I've got an Irish temper that it takes me a long time to, mm. I'd like to keep that under wraps. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. What makes you annoyed? Um, lying lateness, <laughs> untidiness, and people that are tight with money. <laughs> my, yeah. One of my things, yeah. I can't bear it, people who are tight with money. Yeah, you know that thing like, you know, when the cheque comes, suddenly everyone needs to go to the toilet, or is, it, <laughs> or is it a deep conversation with the person next to them? Yeah. Or, or then they only had a salad. They only had a salad. <laughs> yeah, I can't bear them. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm exactly the same. Aussie accent or English accent? English. Yeah. I agree. Meat or veggie? Both. So you don't Both. mind a bit of meat? Oh, I, yeah, no, I think I'm a carnivore. When was the last time you cried? The last time I cried was at um, the 2018 Fashion Awards here in London. Mm. Um, because at the end of the awards, they had a special tribute um, for a dear friend of mine, Michael Howells, mm. and Judy Blame. Both iconic men from the fashion world. Michael Howes was an incredible um, set designer who I used to work with a lot um, on Dior, John Galliano with Nick Knight. Mm-hmm. And then Judy Blame was just like one of the most creative stylists ever. Amazing Judy, You know, the sort of what mm-hmm. blitz face. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an icon. Yeah. So yeah, so, and at the end they, they did this sort of tribute to the two boys and at the end all these paper butterflies just fell out of the ceiling. Oh, wow. So it was, it was very poetic. Quite emotional. It was very emotional, yeah. Mm. yeah everybody stood, it was amazing. Oh. What would you say is your karaoke song of choice? Do you really want to hurt me? No, I don't. Belle. Yeah, boy George. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's it. <laughs> okay, if you could rule the world for a week, what would you do? No Ubers, shops open 24 hours, we definitely would have cleaners on the underground and in all public toilets. <laughs> it would be compulsory for everyone to smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and two days a week, perhaps it's the weekend, we would be um, Wi-Fi free, no no getting on the no internet. No emails, no, no internet. And nobody from work would be allowed to call anybody or send them an email after 6.30 in the evening yeah. or before 9am. Mm. in the morning because how many times do you get a work email at 9pm on a Saturday night yeah no stop it yeah next question have you ever done anything illegal well recently um, I pulled off the A40 and had to I needed a coffee and I actually parked in the disabled parking zone wow I know (laughs) I know, and not only that, on that same day, I felt really guilty. I've never done it before. And then on that same day, I was uh, again on the A40 from um, uh, Stratford-on-Avon coming back into London, and I was in a traffic jam at King's Cross, and for some unknown reason, I was texting on my phone, and I kept hearing this beeping Mm. from a car, and I'm like, wonder who's beeping at me? (laughs) And I couldn't see anybody beeping, and I turned round to my left, and there was a police van there, pulled up right beside me, pointing at my phone, going, turn it off. Yeah. And I'm like, 
waving. God, so. you're lucky they just told you to turn it off. Actually. I know, I know. So, um, yeah, and so normally... So it helps being a blonde girl, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> you know, I think it... The, the, what is that sort of... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that was the last... Yeah, that was the last time. But, I, you know, I'm really... I'm one of those people that... Um, I never do anything wrong, uh, or I try not to do anything wrong. I'm really guilty, mm. you know. Mm. I mean, I always walk up the right-hand side of the escalator. Yeah, I do you that. Know, I, mm. You know, yeah. But I always feel guilty even going through customs at the airport, even though I haven't done anything wrong. Oh, so guilty. What, what's that about? So guilty. <laughs> I don't know. It's bizarre. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, Val, so last question, and this is going to be a good one for you because I know you're a member of a book club is the, uh, what was the last book that you read? The last book that I read was called The Water Cure and it's by Sophie McIntosh and it was long listed for the Man Booker Prize in 2018. Mm. This is a dystopian tomb, a dystopian novel and it's about a mother and her daughters and the father has left the island they are marooned on an island out of their choice I believe it's what happens to them after he's gone um, I think if you liked um, Jenny Argutter mm. um, in the 1971 film Walkabout mm. um, you'll like this book if you liked The Handmaid's Tale Ah, so it's in that kind of vein. You'd I've like never seen Walkabout. There's so many of the book clubs that I can't attend because, you know, I'm away mm. working. Um, if you can't attend, you have to send in your review. It's interesting because I get to read books that I possibly would maybe not have picked up. Yeah. You know, so it can be anything from, uh, you know, something historical to uh, a biography or something contemporary. Mm. You know, um, the last book we read was um, Michelle Obama, you know, and everybody loved Did you that. like that? No, I didn't like it. Didn't like no. it. I mean, I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was okay. It was, you know, um, a good look at perhaps the future president of the United States. I mean, it was sort of, it ticked all the boxes. Right. And it told a story, and it was a very nice story, but I didn't. I felt like I wanted it to be a bit more grittier, mm, you know. Mm. But then everybody else in my book club absolutely loved it and thought that she was motivating, inspiring, you know, an incredible woman. I just was a little bit bored. I'd like to get into audiobooks. Mm. Joey, who works with me, she just bought me some headphones, some great headphones. I think they're called Buds. <laughs> keeping up the latest the, thing. Keeping up with the kids. I got buds. <laughs> Actually, it was a very funny thing happened to me. I was um, wanting to listen to more podcasts, so I downloaded all these podcasts and I started listening listening to them on the Eurostar going to Paris. And I'm like, gosh, everybody talks so fast, don't mm. they? <laughs> Um, I thought, no, I can't, I can't really get into podcasts mm. because I, they, they talk too quickly. And I realised that I was listening to them at fast speed. <laughs> yeah, blonde, being very blonde. No, yeah. Val. Well, listen, thank you so much. We're done. So thank you. For anyone listening, just want to say Val's book, amazing book, is called Validated, uh, The Makeup of Val Garland. And that is available where, Val? Amazon, Waterstones. Mm. All, all the great, usual outlets. Yeah, all the usual outlets. Yeah. 
Um, it's an amazing book, I have it. Please buy it or get it, see it, try and get your hands on a copy, because it is amazing. And the TV show, which is now airing on BBC Three, is Glow Up. Correct? Please watch. Please watch. You think it's going to be fun. Um, thanks, Val. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank Bye. you for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes already available to listen to if you want to hear more straight away. Thanks for listening.